If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman. Listening to It's So Hard to Hold On, the first track on the forthcoming Trampled by Turtles album, Alpenglow, due out next Friday from 30 Tigers, wherever you listen to music. It's been a minute since we last heard new music from Trampled by Turtles. In fact, you have to go back to 2018's Life is Good on the Open Road, which seems like a lifetime ago, for the last record. For this, their 10th record, the Minnesotan Sextet enlisted the help of alt-country star and fellow Midwesterner from Wilco, frontman Jeff Tweedy to produce their latest batch of songs, the album Alpenglow. I had the chance to catch up with bassist Tim Soxhog to get all the details on the release and where the band finds itself today. We had Eric Berry on about, wow, it feels like almost five years ago. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, back in May of 2018 when the last record came out. And I remember talking to him about the hiatus and everybody getting back together and everybody being back on the same page. And I can only imagine that you had all of this momentum coming out of that with a new record and then COVID hit, <laughs> which must have knocked you on you, your butts. Like it, all of that excitement and, and everything that you were doing, it must have been a harsh reality for you guys. Actually, you know, COVID didn't hit until like two years after. I mean, so we were actually in a spot where it was time to kind of wind down and get the new album ready. I mean, yeah, we had to cancel stuff, but I mean, mainly, I mean, it ate up like Dave's was supposed to do his solo tour on Red Tail. And like, that's the immediate tour that got canceled off of that March 2020 type of thing like we had to cancel you know a lot of the festivals in the summer got canceled but um, by September we were doing drive-through shows again and we were really fortunate like it didn't derail us as much um, obviously we wish we could have been out there um, but I think at least that first part of it uh, it was kind of a, a little much needed again, a little break. It's nice to have those. Um, and I think it, you know, I think it led into something better here, you know, with this new album. Alpen Glow is uh, the band's 10th album. It's probably your strongest collection of songs and performances to date, as at least to my ears. Um, and you had a special guest, a very special guest produced this record. Um, how did y'all hook up with Jeff Tweedy? Um, you know, I think uh, basically, I mean, a few of us have been like Wilco fans for a long time. Um, and I think when it came time to talk about um, what are we going to do with this album? You know, the Life is Good on the Open Road was all self-produced. Like that is like pretty much the most you leave turtles to their own devices. This is what comes out. Um, so you know, finding somebody that might provide a little different voice um, it was, I think, the main reason. And especially since, you know, well, you've heard the current country album that came out, but they've always had songs like that, you know, peppered about on their albums. And so we knew that um, it would fit in with Dave's songwriting, you know, really well. In fact, there's a song that he penned on the record, A Lifetime to Find, which is that's um, right, which is a song that he he penned. It's the only song on the record that Dave uh, Simonette didn't actually write for this record. Was it interesting to have like how did that all happen? Did he bring that record to the to, to that song to the studio or was it something that evolved over time? Like, how did he present putting his own song uh, on the record? Well, it was kind of just as simple as that. He came in and it was, we had known ahead of time that he might ask us to record something because he had said he had a bunch of country songs. So I don't even know if Kind or, uh, Cruel Country was like in the works yet or coming down the chute. But yeah, it was the first one he presented. Basically, um, he played the demo for us, just him and an acoustic guitar. Um, and Dave liked it. Um, and so basically when we were there for that week, we had, um, like the Saturday off 
or maybe the Saturday and the Sunday. And so Dave took it, you know, over that time and just learned it how we, how we did. And then we just kind of trickled in and did it right there on the spot. And that's how we came up with our version. And it's nice because now there's a, you know, two different versions as, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, the Wilco and Trampled by Turtles ones sounding exactly the same, you know, right. it shows our different instrumental sensibilities at least, you know. Uh, you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned country that, you know, the Wilco put out this country record and that you were creating this country record for yourselves. It is um, a little bit different from the typical Trampled by Turtles sound. It's less bluegrassy and dare I say a little more country, a little more Americana for, for lack of a better word. Was that purposeful? Did you guys want to have sort of a different sound on this record than, than some of the records of past years? Well, I think going into any album, that's a goal. Um, so we weren't like saying that out loud specifically. Like when we talk about, you know, getting a producer that might bring some different ideas, that is kind of where the initial intent stops and then you kind of find out what happens and this is what popped out and yeah I think you're right like there's a number of songs on there that like for instance one that I think of that uh, Jeff had a huge impact on is uh, Quitting is Rough mm -hmm. um, you know it has that jump 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 now that is something that didn't exist and wouldn't have existed without Jeff because when we were just starting out trying to play with Dave on that song, mm -hmm. it was your basic, you know, kind of jangly waltz, like, you know, that we would have played, like that would have popped up on Life is Good. But once he put this thing on there, and that was like a framework to work with on that song, it produced something way different than what would have come out with Trample by Turtles. And like another one like that is, uh, all the good times are gone, which yes. comes out sounding more like a country song. Now that one was also one that since it is just major chords, sounded just kind of like this happy song with these dark lyrics underneath. Mm -hmm. And so Jeff was like, there's gotta be something like with like a blue note or like a minor seven in there that could make the sound. So that's where you get that opening banjo lick. Yeah. like to give it a little darker feel and so like those are the types of things that happened in the studio because we really didn't have many songs ready to go like a lot of them we learned in the studio there's some versions there that are our fifth time playing that including when we were learning it wow. but that just you know happened that way so yeah, th th those are just a couple of examples. Um, and then there's like a couple that we had ready to go that Jeff shaped, like It's So Hard, the opening track. We had actually played that once or twice live, like mm -hmm. a very rudimentary, actually much longer and meandering version. Mm -hmm. um, like he really tightened that one up. Like, like we sang that chorus so many times, like in the original, it, like, like I kind of cringed to think about it and he added in that intro which is something we hadn't even thought of so yeah was it a case of you bringing some of the songs like was it so hard to hold on was that a demo when you brought it in and and it was a certain way when you brought it in or or was it all stuff that you sort of 
all collaborated on when you got into the studio? Um, well, there was never a demo. We've never done demos. Um, what it was was backstage on a couple of tours before, just Dave like being like, I have these songs. And then we do our trickle in, you know, some play right away, some listen for a while. Um, and that's kind of how we built our songs. Um, and of course, you don't want to get used to your ideas too much going into the studio. Otherwise, you'll have a closed mind and just be working on those. But I mean, basically, it's all just rudimentary. Like we know the chords and kind of what we're doing. Um, but then once you can play it back in the studio and hear better how it's fitting in with everything, you can make those changes and stuff like that. How hard is it? I, 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 didn't, I don't remember asking Eric this, but there's six of you. How hard is it to get um, decisions made when there's six of you deciding on how a song should sound? Is it Dave that takes the lead? Is it the producer, in this case, Jeff Tweedy, that sort of takes the lead? How, how do you all come together uh, on these songs and, and make them uh, so great with so many different voices sort of lending an ear or, or lending a, a hand to the, the process? Well, I think, you know, it's just like when you're playing together, it's kind of all about listening. And I think, you know, everybody might have different ideas, but you remain open. And yeah, um, especially Dave Seminat's going to have like a bigger say in that just because it is his song. And sometimes he does have ideas going in, sometimes he doesn't. Um, uh we don't get into like, you know, big long arguments about these things because for the most part, like being precious about things doesn't help anything. And it often doesn't create a better work. Right. So it's kind of up to your own ego and how, how much you really want to go into things. And then, you know, with a producer like Jeff, who was being more hands-on and things like that. So you're going to listen to him more. Plus he's Jeff Tweedy. So he's got good ideas, you know, and, and, you know, I heard, I read one time, it was a tweet, I believe, of Dan Wilson from Semisonic, who just said, I always say yes in the studio, because you can try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you'll hear it, you know, right. So it's always like, you know, Jeff suggests something, just try it, you know, even if it doesn't sound right to you right away. Yeah, we changed, like, um, like he was big into chord substitutions. And so on a song like It's So Hard, he was suggesting making the verses less repetitive by changing the second two chords on, you know, the first part. And when we were first trying it, it was like, eh, this doesn't sound right, but we have been playing it so much the other way. Right. You know, but once we heard it after we did a take, it's like, oh, yes, this does make it much better and that teaches you to be open-minded it's so hard to hold on has a great story about the video you reached out to your audience to provide you with photos and videos um, from their experiences at trampled shows and i guess you got a lot of stuff back right i mean that's sort of how the video was made with so much uh fan feedback and so much fan uh content yeah, uh, yeah, that was really special. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you never have any idea how much is going to be thrown in. So yeah, the first time I saw that video, it was 
pretty moving, you know, and you see a lot of familiar fans. Like there was one fan that we had known for so many years that had passed away from cancer, you know, at that time. And I didn't know he was going to pop up in the video. And so seeing things like that, um, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty heavy and, and it's just really special to kind of bring it together after almost 20 years, like kind of getting to see what you've built right in front of you and how much it means to people, you know, it's, it's very moving. Uh, the fans have always been an important element to, to uh, your music and, and sort of the, the, the scenes music, um, whether that's the jam band scene or specifically the bluegrass scene or, or the Americana scene, fans have always been different. What's the relationship with, with Trampled and, and fans? Is that, is that a good indication of how you were overwhelmed with photos and videos, how loving your fans are and, and how committed they are to, to seeing, seeing you guys and participating in, in shows and, and um, you know, being part of the community? Yeah, you know, I think especially for, you know, our styles like the ones you listed, you know, it's not big, we're not big radio bands, you know, and things like that. And of course, you know, you're not making money by selling records, it's all touring and, and everybody's a part of that. And creating the show, you know, we're also only a part of that and they're that whole thing. So, um, yeah, it's all big, one big organism. And so, you know, getting to be reminded of that is a pretty special thing. And yeah, and I do feel like, especially where we are in our career, that we owe so much to it. And I think others would agree, but yeah, we are, we, we would be nowhere, literally, without them. Um, you did a short tour over the summer, and then you're gearing up uh, for a longer uh, fall fall slash by November, I, I think of fall already. And as a minister, right. and I would suspect that that's winter already too, but um, you're gearing up for this, this tour. Are you excited to get back on the road and, and see some places? Are there any places that you haven't been yet that you're most excited to, to play or, or see? Well, you know, um, I love touring on the East coast just because I love how it looks out there. Like, you know, um, you know, we'll be up in Burlington. We have a couple of days off up there. So that'll just be a beautiful spot. Love to get to visit New York City when we can. And Webster Hall is one of our favorite spots. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what we're looking forward to. Um, you know, there's not much left to tick off on the uh, where we haven't visited yet. Yeah. In fact, in January is kind of a big deal because we'll be playing our 50th state. Um, Hawaii. Wow. Um, we just finally got Connecticut this last year. <laughs> um, and those were the only two stragglers. So um, yeah, and it, it'll be nice. You know, it's only really a 12 day tour in November. So it's, it's you know, not, not a huge one. And, and it's nice, easy travel days because the East Coast, there's not a lot of distance. Um, so, so that'll be nice. Yeah. But I love going to the East coast and playing the shows with Amigo, the devil will be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, in January, you'll be playing the Fillmore in San Francisco. How, yeah. how exciting is that for you guys to play that room? Yeah. You know, we love that place. You know, there's such history and all that, you know, they still hand out the apples when you get done 
with a show there and everything. So yeah, it's like, and we're all fans of the old San Francisco scene. So you definitely feel those spirits there when you're playing. Like I am actually, to be honest, I get more excited for the next night, which is the Troubadour. Because I mean, that's one where I really feel the like, wow, the Eagles were formed here. It's like Elton John's first performance in America, Linda Ronstadt, you know, John Lennon and Harry Nilsson got kicked out for heckling the Smothers Brothers. Like yeah. that thing, it's like, you know, there's a, I get a little more specific history from that where as the Fillmore is more of a general one for me. Yeah. Uh, are you guys working on new music? Is that something that's always sort of uh, on the table or or do you take breaks and sort of now that this record is out, you sort of want to play this record and concentrate on this um, and then you'll start writing? I, I would imagine that Dave's probably all re always writing, but the collective isn't necessarily writing with him, right? Right. And I'm sure we'll concentrate on that closer too. Um, yeah, I mean... There's, you know, a whole over half the album we haven't played yet that is going to be broken out in the November shows, um, which I'm really excited about. But no, Dave has already played us a new one, like backstage, um, that I think he and Davey, Banjo Dave, played at like a duo show. Mm. So, I mean, they're out there. So, you know, I bet you it won't be another uh, five-year wait between albums this time. For sure. Um, is there a favorite song on the record, on, on this record? I mean, Burlesque Desert Window is beautiful. There, there's so many great songs on this record. Is there one favorite of yours that you're either have played or are excited to play live? That's really tough. Um, my favorite recording is probably Central Hillside Blues, but I tend to like our slow songs more than the fast songs. Mm -hmm. um, that and like... We're All Right is kind of a, like a sentimental favorite. And that's one of those ones that we, we basically, like that's, that's like the one I was referring to. That's like the fifth time we played it after we learned it. Yeah. And it was like, the ha like Jeff had a Zoom interview that day and wasn't there for the first half hour. And we got that instrumental take done before he even got there. And like, I remember him walking in and, we're just like, all right, let's go put some background vocals on this. And he just goes, well, I've apparently lost control of this session for the day. <laughs> now we're in. Um, and, and, and I just, just dig the vibe of that so much. It's and the lyrics are sort of like kind of uncharacteristically whimsical, you know, from our other ones. So those are kind of my two favorites on there. It's interesting. You know, I, I could totally hear Jeff saying that he does have this, uh, I don't know if it's sarcastic, but there is a there is a tone to to a lot of what he says that's sort of f finding the truth sometimes and not the joke. And what he's saying must be must be difficult, especially when you're taking orders from him or at least suggestions from him. Right. And you know what? That that sense of he is super funny, dude. Um, yeah. And that sense of humor fit in really well with how we act in the studio. Like he seemed really in tune with like you know, how you can rip on people and like who you can rip on more than others. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, that... like, there was this like one time when, and, you know, sometimes you'd be sitting in the circle and we get done with a take and it's my instinct to like over explain like a mistake I made or something like that or how I avoided one. And 
I do this whole thing after I'm done. Well, I was going to miss this thing, but I really played this and I thought that sounded good too. And he just looks at me and goes, Mazel tov. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, touche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. need to say any of that. <laughs> it's that, uh, I guess you all have kind of that Midwestern sensibility a little bit when it, when it comes to, uh, to dealing with one another, which is great, which is great. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that it was successful having Jeff Jeff, uh, Jeff in that chair for, for this record. Would you agree? I mean, it's hard not to say that, being that he's so talented and this record sounding so good. But is that something that you think you'll do in the future? You'll, you'll call on Jeff or somebody else to, to help with the, with the next record? Well, I think that'd be nice. You know, I don't know about maybe the next one. Um, yeah. You know, there's all sorts of people to work with and different places to record um, because I think he prefers only recording in the loft right. when he's recording projects. Um, it would be great to work with him again. I was thinking about this. I was listening to a different podcast um, on my way up um, with uh, Rick Rubin and he was talking to John Frusciante from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. He interviews interviewed all those guys, but I was kind of fascinated by them talking about how many times they work with each other and how many albums for one band came from one. Yeah. And, you know, that works for them. But at the same time, if I was them, I'd be like, oh, what if we would have tried somebody drastically different, you know? Uh -huh. um, but I feel like that dude has the same kind of style. Like he kind of just listens and creates the vibe. And sometimes certain bands, that's all they need. Um, but a band for us, like with our kind of limited instrumentation, um, I think maybe we'd benefit from yet another different voice the next time. And then maybe after that round back, if Jeff even wanted to work with us again, you know, um, I think we all had a good time. So I'd like to think he would, um, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we would work with him again, but I think there's so many places to go musically that uh, we want to, you know, scope those out too. In terms of the scene, I mean, you, you like you said, you've you alluded to it earlier. This is you know, uh, twenty years in the making. This record, your tenth record, are you more excited about the scene, the scene that you guys are in? This this you know, bluegrass Americana country scene more than ever. It seems like there's so many bands now that have really put put their mark on this scene, whether it's you know, uh, you guys and Leftover Salmon being, you know, one uh, string cheese being the early bearers and then, you know, Green Sky Bluegrass now and um, infamous String Dusters and on and on and on. It seems like the, the scene has really grown over the last maybe 10 years, but certainly over the last 20 since you've been involved in it. Yeah, no, it's, it's been really interesting to see, you know, there's this like, you can see these different ways, like it's been elevated. Um, kind of what got me into the style of music was a combination of the O Brother soundtrack and that I was already listening to Fish and the Dead. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into the bluegrass thing. You know, Old Crow popped up right after that. Yeah. That's when I kind of tuned out of the whole bluegrass thing. Um, just because I, you know, I was like different styles of music and it just wasn't, it's not what I listened to. Yeah. And, and then... Um, I think there was another big bump up with Mumford and Sons. Right. Like, you know, how, however people talk about what they think of how it was and what it did, but it kind of, it kind of broke things wide open for a band like us. 
right. you know, um, people who heard that on the radio might get this suggested when they're listening to a streamer or whatever. So things like that happen. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to be, you know, a part of the, the whole scene for sure. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for yeah. uh, introducing us to the record and some of the things on this record. We're psyched to, uh, psyched to hear more from you and psyched to hear these songs live. So, so thanks for taking the time, dude. And, and we'll see you out on the road. Well, thank you, Ira. It was a pleasure. For more on the band, including tour dates, visit trampledbyturtles.com. Before we leave you, let's listen to another track off of Alpen Glow. Here is A Lifetime to Find. Oh, death, oh, death, I was just getting dressed. The place is a mess. I was hoping you'd forget, but I can feel you in my chest. I can feel you in my chest. Oh, yes. Oh yes, death never rests I can see you've done your best The problem is just this It is too late for regrets I am here to collect It takes a lifetime to find A life like a life you had in mind It takes a lifetime a life like the life you had in mind Now you're mine Oh death, I confess I should have known what to expect But you're so hard to accept Last time that I checked I was neck and neck As happy as the next Yes, 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 you were blessed, blessed in the past tense, but it's too late now to make it make sense. It is too late to pretend this day won't ever end. It takes a lifetime to find life like a life you had in mind. It takes a life.
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.